to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, disaster planning, crisis management, COVID-19, anything that's relatable to these subjects. Speaking of which, if there is a particular subject or topic you'd like us to talk about on the show, please go to the Voice America page for the show. There is a button underneath the graphic. Um, and you can send me an email. I do get all emails, and I do respond to everything. And we'll see about getting you on the show or finding someone to talk about uh, what you want us to, to cover here. Also, if you want to uh, promote a product or service that uh, you have, you can reach me the same way, and I can get some uh, information to you. Uh, I want to thank everybody at Stone Road with their product, BoastAssessment.com, uh, um, for uh promoting today's show, sponsoring today's show. Um, They have a product that allows you to uh, manage your uh, business continuity management program, do some self-assessments and various components, and uh, focus your assessments, your resources appropriately. And you can do that uh, on a weekly, monthly, or annual basis. And I also finally want to thank everybody at Solutions Review, uh, my book, uh, Testing Disaster Recovery and Business Continuity uh, Plans, uh, made their 16 most uh, influential books uh, that all BC uh, business continuity directors uh, should have. So thanks to everyone on that list, and thank you, and uh, congratulations to the other 15 authors. Now, today's show, uh, anybody who's listened to this show at some point has heard me say that I'm an avid reader. I love to read nonstop magazines, books, you know, um, anything online, you know, whatever I get my hands on, I love to, to read uh, for knowledge and for entertainment. And today I have another author of one of the books I came across. And just the title really captured my uh, thoughts and knew that uh, I've got to reach out to this person because it's not often you hear uh, hear this and you'll get it when I say the title. So I'd like to welcome to the show today, Ivan Codero. Uh, the author of IT Business Continuity Documents. Yvonne, welcome to the show. Uh, first, let me thank you, Alex, um, for for letting me be on your show and your audience and for the opportunity to be here on Voice America. Oh. Not every day I get interviewed, so this is a subject <laughs> that really passes me, so you'll have me speaking here about it. Well, don't don't be nervous. You know, uh, I, I I blabber on as well. You know, it's just a conversation between you and I. So, uh, don't feel as though you know you're going to be put on the spot or anything. You know, <laughs> um, congratulations on the book. I the the copy I have is actually uh, flagged as second edition. So obviously, it's been uh, it's hit a nerve with people. Uh, yes, it's, it's kind of growing. It's always something else I want to add to it. But pretty much it, right now, it's a, it's a complete book. It's something that I read it and myself, I read it myself, and pretty much 
to find something else I want to add, something that came up later, and uh, I'll be adding it. It's a book that's going to keep on growing throughout the years. Yeah, I, I, I find that too. You know, I, I almost want to rewrite my very first book because of so many new experiences and, like you said, you know, things you, you think of and you want to add as time goes by. Now, that's the right. first thing... That's how it yeah, is. Yeah. Now, uh, the book is called IT Business Continuity Documents. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering, cause in your introduction, you have something that's, uh, you start your own quote and it says, how have you been sleeping lately? And you say, um, you, you go on to say, you know, uh, sleepless nights and um, you made a change. So how did the book come about, especially considering it's IT documents? And from experience, I know IT personnel, you know, don't like writing documents. So how did the book come around? What What happened to make you write this? Well, I come from a background from pharmaceutical companies where IT might be a little bit different than regular IT, where pharmaceutical um, documentation is a, a priority, it's a must. So the IT people pretty much uh, uh, adhere to these policies and procedures and, and, and writing and documenting it. It's, it's very important. And in regards to what made me write the book in itself, well, not having a plan during a disaster like, is the worst place to be. You know, everyone who's working IT would agree that kind of, you know, Murphy's Law shines on, upon us there. And I, I remember seeing the data center administrators look a few years ago, he looked at this Unix server at one point when I was starting. And he was there. This Unix server had crashed. And I remember seeing the top management and the leadership actually had come down to the IT data center. And they were looking into these big, giant windows at, at the data center administrator. And he was looking at the server. And everybody had this look, and nobody said nothing. And, I, you know, that started getting me thinking about business continuity and not falling in a spot similar to the situation that data center administrator was at. So that moved me on to getting some trainings on it. And, you know, when you get these one-week trainings, you come back like if, if you know everything, you know, you come all hyped up. Mm-hmm. I remember coming yeah. back to the, to the site, and I, I was going to, you know, eat business continuity like if it was something I knew all my life. Um, so I shot myself on the foot. I, I pretty much promoted it to top management. Top management said, go for it. And it was two months of <laughs> uphill battles. <laughs> After that, it was, it was something that got done, and it got done really, it got done really well at the end. But there was a lot of things that I had to learn along the way. Because one thing is all this philosophy. But when you get down to the floor, when you have to talk with management, the leadership, when you have to speak with the people on the floor that actually do these processes and the ones that are affected at the bottom line, well, it, it isn't as easy as just, you know, just taking the training and that was it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what drove me to, to write the book. And, and basically, like you said, business documents, well, because I come from a, a document background, so that's one of the areas that I wanted to pretty much um, provide to the people that read my book, how to r- write those specific four, four plans or four documents. And, we, and we'll get to those uh, uh, eventually. So uh, <laughs> you got into it um, almost by accident, so to speak. You know, a bunch of people uh, standing around going, well, what do we do? 
That's right. Now, in those days, uh, what was considered a business continuity strategy was pretty much a procedure that was in the IT area, and it, 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 all it said was, if this server breaks down, you have this alternate server, and you put it back together. That, that was about it, what we had at that time. And that's mm-hmm. what I came to change and have something more robust. Well, I've got a question because um, business continuity, a lot of people tend to think that, you know, that's uh, for the business side of an organization, you know, non-IT. And IT uh, continuity is, you know, the disaster recovery plan. How do you see those two differing or are they same? Is it just, you know, terminology, you know, how do you distinguish between those? Well, business continuity and disaster recovery are two different strategies, you know, but mm-hmm. they complement each other. And that's what I learned along the way. That's it. Business continuity can lead into IT disaster recovery. And that's determined within the business continuity plan itself. You determine if you're going to move on into disaster recovery. They both fit into what's called BCBR. It's like a holistic approach to recovery and includes both the business processes and underlying resources that support these. It's a complete solution, and it's pretty much what my book's about. It's how I got business continuity to flow into disaster recovery. Can it go the other way also? Well, when, when there's a disaster, and pretty much if the system is not within the business continuity scope, it's not a uh, critical system, well, it wouldn't be in the business continuity plan, but it would run standalone on the disaster recovery plan. So that's the way I, I wrote it. Because some systems won't be in the business continuity plan because they just are, do not meet the criticality criteria or for, for being in the business continuity plan. Not every system will be there. But they don't, they don't get lost because they will be covered in the business continuity plan in the business disaster recovery plan. So does that mean just the critical systems are considered part of the IT business continuity plan? Am Am I understanding that correctly? Yes. The critical systems, the key systems, the one that really moves the business, those are considered in the business continuity plan. You can add as many systems as you want, but when you start off with your business continuity plan, you need to start including the, the what I call, you know, the low-hanging apples and include mm-hmm. those. If it was not, you know, out of the scope that you can continue to add as many systems as you want. And, and there are those systems that will not be in the business continuity plan just because there are small systems that really might not, not hold the key requirements for it to be in the business continuity plan. Right, like the like items that aren't um, used by clients or something, you know, or you know, finance, you know, move money or something like that. You know, they're used by one or two people for, you know, uh, do graphics or something. You know, that's not critical. That that yes. stuff can wait. Is that or, what you mean? Or, or a spreadsheet system. Some, some spreadsheet systems are pretty much some some applications that are run on spreadsheets and, and these would not be inside the business continuity plan. Mm-hmm. Remember that business continuity deals with the key business process and the key 
business processes, I'm, I'm saying pretty much is what makes them important. These are the activities that are critical to the business. It's a strategy to preserve and recover essential business process and includes both process recovery and, like I said, it can lead to technical recovery. Right. I'm, I'm curious, how did you get um, uh, IT personnel on board with documenting? Because you said you had a, you know, a, a, a documentation background. Right, um, but not a lot of IT people do, and so how did you get them on board to want to, you know, document some of these plans? Well, like I said, pharmaceutical environments where I worked at are pretty much controlled by quality and quality mm-hmm. departments, and quality is, you know, holds on to documentation itself. So anybody working in a pharmaceutical area will be pretty much. If not pushed, we'll, we'll yeah. be working with documentation and making sure everything is documented clearly. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much the background that that drives um, people that work in pharmaceutical areas, you know, that to move into writing and documenting. I can see where you're going at with some other areas where IT is pretty much um, standalone and they can take most of their own decisions, and maybe it'll be harder for them to move into documentation. But that that goes into the leadership of of the business, whichever business it is. Processes need to be documented, and if it's plans for business continuity or disaster recovery, whatever, these need to be documented as good good practices. Uh, that that's see that's where I was going. You know, like I said, having worked with so many IT people, you know, if you ask them to document the color of the sky, you know, you're going to get a one-word answer, blue. But if you ask somebody on the business side, you may get, you know, a big, long, drawn-out explanation of how the color blue gets there. You know, so sometimes it's like twisting arms for IT people. You know, can you document a little bit? <laughs> well, that's why you include quality, and all these documents need to pass through quality departments or quality heads or coordinators or whoever it is in your business that sees over quality. So if you include quality in the equation, you can have a second area that's going to be checking that you comply with the documentation part of it. This isn't isn't a standalone thing that IT would do. It's not that way that I specified in my book. I, I include that this needs to come down from the site or the business top management, it comes down, flows down, and then the top management will make sure that quality is involved and that IT will meet quality standards for the business. So it it comes from a top-down approach, and it's not something that IT does on its own. It's not something that I did on my own. It was something that I did in connection with key departments that are involved in the documentation review and key departments that will be involved in actually executing some of these items that I I specify in the business continuity plan and the disaster recovery plans. Well, that's where I was, you know, where I was going because um, in your book, it does come across that way as though you're kind of working together uh, and you're bringing all these teams together to document you know, and, and the quality associated with it, you're getting the, uh, having, sorry, I should say not getting, but having the support of executive management, you know, to ensure that the right information is captured for everybody. When in many other organizations, it's, 
everything is geared toward one little segment. You know, this document is for that group, so, you know, it, it doesn't have the same quality as another document, you know, written by another group. And that comes across in your book. Yes, that's why I also include some sections or a chapter on change control, which is pretty much something that IT also um, covers with the quality area. Like in pharmaceutical areas, any change you make will be approved or pre-approved by the quality area. So my background, like I say, it's pharmaceuticals, and it's it's really controlled. And it's something mm-hmm. that regular IT areas that do not work in pharmaceutical areas should kind of see as just good practices. Have somebody check your work if you're not an island, IT. Sorry, <laughs> somebody gets bothered with that, but IT is not an island. It depends yeah. on other departments. Um we IT resources depend on engineering, they depend on safety, they depend on physical security. You know, it, it's not an island there. And documentation should review, be reviewed by quality areas. Because like you say, IT people may be more concerned in the technical aspect, you know, how to install the server. But yeah, you need to document it. Yeah, I, I like your comment there. You know, IT is not an island. I like that. You know, I think that's a great quote. Um, we've come to the end of our first segment. Today we are talking with Ivan Cordero, the author of IT Business Continuity Documents. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Do you know that over 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce with twice the unemployment rate of the non-disabled? Join Joyce Bender, CEO of Bender Consulting Services and a disability leader as she talks about best practices and newest trends in disability employment on Disability Matters. As a person living with epilepsy and hearing loss, Joyce is an international advocate for disability employment. Tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. Today we are talking with Ivan Cordero, the author of IT Business Continuity Documents. Uh, Yvonne, in the first segment, you mentioned uh, that there's uh, a couple of documents that you know you uh, talk about in the book, and I was wondering if you could kind of go uh, through them that uh, you work with to help create you know what you talk about in your book. And I think the first one uh, you talk about is the BIA. Yes, um, basically, it, it all starts with the business impact analysis. The BIA is a well-documented analysis of the current business process scenario. In my book, the seven-section BIA collection analyzes those activities that are core to the business. So we're pretty much seeing what the environment is like in the business in regards to the processes, in regards to what makes the, the business run, and then we take those processes and head back into what IT resources so the document itself pretty much starts with Section 1, which is an overview of, of the document of the, of the BIA, and pretty much states the scope and the responsibilities of the people that are involved with, with the document. Like I said at the beginning, it's not an IT thing only. So it also identifies the business continuity leader and the coordinator, which are like big shots here in regards to the, to the whole business continuity strategy. And it also states mm-hmm. that more than an IT thing. It's, it, it flows down from a top-level approval, and it's, it really needs that, that support from top management because having the people get involved at the lower levels, if it's not being pushed, because it won't seem like something important to, to everybody, especially in a manufacturing environment where, where I was working. And in a manufacturing environment, the key word is manufacturing, you know, we need to make a product, and that is the business. So you, mm-hmm. you have to keep an eye on that. So you have to get top management involved and, and make them see how this is going to actually support manufacturing. Once you do that, you will get their support if you know how you yourself to this top management and how you tie in the resources IT has and how they will affect or not affect the, the business processes themselves. Section two is where we do the data collection, and it's pretty much where we identify the business processes. And with support from a multidisciplinary team, we, we can identify the business processes and the criticality for the recovery. For example, processes that include manufacturing, sales, financial planning. All these processes need to be documented, need to be identified, and you, you just don't start writing the stuff. You, you really need to have some type of data collection form. That's the way at least I express it in my book. You need to have a data collection form where you pretty much identify the process, say, identify what it's used for, identify how it ties down to the IT area. Because the focus of this business continuity plan here and this impact, this impact analysis in this case is, is pretty much processes that IT supports. So if it's within something that IT can control, it's a process that IT has some control over them in regards to the resources that support it, 
then it will be included here. And as we connect these processes and identify them, we start going back and seeing the section section three, which is the IT data center section, which identifies the IT resources themselves that support these processes. And here we go back to the technology that supports the processes. And it's, it's not only technology, it's other areas also like the physical structure of the data center in this case, how safety interacts in the business, how physical access supports the IT data center. It, it, it provides also information in regards to prevent and maintenance, loss of staff, loss of the supplier, the supplier's not there. All this information is captured in Section 3, which is the IT data center section of the business impact analysis. Section 4 and pretty much seven sections. Section 4 goes over the risk assessment where we identify the threats and the mitigation efforts. Here we identify, identify, assess, and then strengthen the weaknesses that may allow threats to materialize and consequently impact the business process. So mm-hmm. we start seeing what could, what could affect one of these processes, and then once we know what affects this process, we can head back through the process down into the actual IT resource that supports it and then start seeing how we can mitigate the risk at the risk level. At the, at the risk assessment stage. I, I was just going to ask you how far uh, yeah, you dug down, but um, you, you just answered that question for me. But I do have a, a, a question. that the, the section that identifies all the processes, do you get the business people to answer that side? And then the next section um, about IT resources, do you just get IT people to answer those questions? Or do do you get them in a room together to work together so that they... They, they, you know, cross-reference each other properly, so to speak. Certainly. Uh, processes themselves, these are business processes. This is speaking with the system owners, system mm-hmm. owners of the processes, and pretty much the operator level also, because a lot of information is gathered at the operation level, not only the mm-hmm. system owners. So the processes are, are gathered there, and the uh, IT resources, are gathered at the side of the the IT area personnel. Now, yes, you can get these people together in a room. My understanding and my experience is that getting them together in a room <laughs> can be can be uh, uphill, but <laughs> you can get them together in a hill and have them cross reference um, what you're gathering. Um, it would be even better, certainly. But as we gather this information, it's all documented. It's not something that you just go over there and ask somebody to come back and keep it in your head. It's all yeah. documented. So if you have questions down the line, you will go to the specific source that can answer them. Also, down uh, down the line, this document, the business impact assessment, is going to be also approved by the business owners. So the business owners will have to stamp their names there and they need to have a good idea of, you know, these were the processes that we want to to be looked at. So there is involvement by both areas, which are the system okay. experts and at, at a process level and at uh, IT resource level. Well, it's good that they're, you know, you have them working together. They're too often, if uh, BIA gets done, it's done by one side only, the business, who then kind of throws it over the fence to IT who interprets things the way they want to interpret it, 
and you know the two never seem to really align properly but you've got it in in a way so that the two work together that's right and maybe maybe it's my background in probably I always go back to that that's, that's my experience for 25 years but IT works for the business it's not the other way around IT works for the business we're there to support we're there to to make things better for for the business itself so we we need to understand that, and when we do the documentation and we do these uh, pretty much surveys and questionnaires, we need to count on the business side, which is who we are working for and who are pretty much depending on us to, to get them something well done. Mm-hmm. So, yes, business comes first, and, and this business is, is what's driving it, and business processes is the heart of the business impact assessment. So, in that case, we need to speak to the business people. Section five, so, uh, go ahead. I continue here. Ta- tackles the business process impact analysis, and and this is, might sound a little bit like the risk assessment, but in my book, I try to to identify this as an area where you consider the impact that may still result from a threat even after the controls are put in place. So we can do all this risk assessment in section four and pretty much narrow down the gaps of the risk, but even after that there is some still inherent risk and an impact to the business if something still goes wrong. At this stage, we identify which systems would be most impacted or could be most impacted and would impact the business the most. And when we identify these systems that have the highest impact to the business if they are hit by a disaster, these are the most critical systems. So it's in the business process impact analysis where we really put down processes to the most critical ones, the ones that have the highest effect on the business. Once we can identify that, we, we can have a good list of, of business processes that, that are critical to business. Second six of the BIA identifies external resources and subsystems, and, and this is something pretty much new and seen so much in other books about business continuity. It's where we need to also identify what resources will be supporting the IT data center and the IT data center personnel and IT area. And, and these are areas that could be safety, physical security, electrical power, environmental conditions, like for humidity and temperature in, in the data center, or power plants for when systems go down. So... These areas also need to be identified in the BIA, and we need to know who's in charge of these areas, who's the person on call, who's going to be part of the the recovery team, because IT is not the only people that are going to be in the recovery team. It's also going to have personnel identified from other areas who, who will need to be identified even if it's at least to be called on, identified as who we're going to call, who's on call when the humidity in the data center goes down after some rain. Puerto Rico, as you know, I'm from Puerto Rico. It rains here a little bit, and everything goes out of control. <laughs> a so little bit. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, after the Hurricane Maria, not, not, nothing to say. So, yes, we need to to see these external resources, and this will be for every business. It's going to be something different. Like in, in 
my book, I'm speaking by as I know it, and these are areas that pretty much support IT, safety, physical security, electrical power, and environmental conditions. But in your business or somebody else's business, it could be other areas, and these have to be looked into, and these need to be identified inside the, the business impact assessment. And finally, section seven is where we state the recovery priority and also identify the recovery team, which is critical. It defines what gets fixed first and by whom. This is pretty much the conclusion of the business impact assessment. This is where we say these are the systems that are critical to the business and these and these need a priority. This one gets fixed first and gets fixed by these people. These are the people that are on call. It's the server that went down, we need the, the, the data center person there. We might need somebody from environmental conditions or engineering to be there. So this is the pretty much the most critical stage of the business impact where we identify which systems are critical. That pretty much covers the business impact analysis. It'll give you a picture of what processes are important and what IT resources support them, and what external systems support them, and who's going to fix them, and in what order. This is the most important thing, the most important mm -hmm. document. If you get this document right, the other documents will be a breeze. If you get this wrong, it doesn't matter what you do with the plans and everything else. So yeah. very important. And this isn't a document you do overnight. Like I say, you need a lot of planning in regards to doing this document. You need a lot of participation from the site, from, from the business owners, from the system experts, from your IT personnel. And it finally needs to be by somebody with high-ranking uh, leadership stating this is what we have. And this is just a snapshot. Next year, this document needs to be looked at again. Well, we're going to try touch so on that in the third have. section of, of our talk to see how sure. we keep this stuff maintained. But um, once you've got the BIA done, then you move to um, what I, I think you have it listed as the business continuity plan business next, continuity right? Continuity plan. Yep. The business okay. continuity plan is it's not. I'll go ahead. Okay. The it's, business continuity plan is pretty much a nine-stage proactive roadmap. That's what I call it. It's used to avoid and lessen risk associated with the disruption of the business operation. So it provides the verification steps. And I want to highlight the verification steps to be taken before and during and after the disaster strike because all it is is a verification step. I've seen whole books in regards to this business continuity plan, but the way I see this is pretty much a one-page or two-page document that states the steps that are going to occur when a disaster happens. At its core, the IT Business Continuity Plan is used to assess and declare a disaster, confirm the safety status, assess the subsystems that we already saw that we captured in the business impact assessment, and then it has the IT recovery team complete a detailed assessment where they decide, is this it? It, it, it? Can it be fixed at a process level? Can it be fixed with some procedures that we have in place? Or do we need to narrow it down and go into the disaster recovery phase where it gets more technical? So that that's all that's in there. That's all that's in this document. A BCP will include the, the process recovery requirements based on the priorities. 
that were previously determined in the, in the business impact assessment. So it's just like a fine-tuned checklist where you go down this step-by-step and you ask yourself certain questions in regards to the disaster. Well, you, you know, I know there's a whole bunch of people out there listening going, your, your business continuity plan is only a couple of pages long. I love hearing that. <laughs> Personally, I love hearing that. Well, let's look at this. Like, the, there are nine, nine pretty much steps to the business in, impact, um, not the business impact, to the business continuity plan. Let me just hold it these, these nine steps, like the declare a disaster first step. What do you do there when you declare a disaster? You identify the disaster level. You define the causes of the disaster. You assess the damage, declare the disaster. Identify the recovery site approach. You know, if this is going to be at our site, it's going to be an alternate site. And then you report this information to management. You're just telling them, this is what happened in the, in the site, this broke. It's a big disaster, it's a small disaster, and you give this information to our management. That, that is the declaration, what I call the declaration of, of the disaster. Mm-hmm. After that, you need to confirm the safety. That's the second step. You know, you confirm the safety status of the site, you confirm the availability of IT recovery teams, and you activate the, the recovery team, and, you know, you make the calls. We need you here if it's a weekend, you, you start calling people. And that's done after safety has been assessed. And then you start getting into those subsystems that support the data center that we spoke about during the DIA. The physical security, where you confirm security status of the site. You know, it's people running out of the building, like I wrote my book with the computers. You start calling the engineering department for the electrical power. You know, if there's an electrical source of the data center, if it's still up, confirm the availability of the of power, assess availability of adequate lighting at the data center. If it's a storm, it brought down the power. And other areas like environmental conditions that also support the data center. Once you, you start asking those questions and you start getting answers to them that it's okay, that there's still safety, you know, safety is still good in the data center, that physical security is still around, and you can start getting your recovery team into the battleground. And once they're in the battleground, they start accessing the data center, the impact to the key business processes. They start making all these decisions in regards to the status of the data center. And from there, they can start deciding whether they're going to be moving into the disaster recovery plan or whether it's about the disaster at the business continuity plan. Well, we're going to take a break now because we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the disaster recovery plan. So we've come to the end of our second segment. Today we are talking with the author of IT Business Continuity Documents, Ivan Cordero, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Do you know that over 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce with twice the unemployment rate of the non-disabled? Join Joyce Bender, CEO of Bender Consulting Services and a disability leader as she talks about best practices and newest trends in disability employment on Disability Matters. As a person living with epilepsy and hearing loss, Joyce is an international advocate for disability employment. Tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. Today we are talking with author Yvonne Cordero of IT Business Continuity Documents. Uh, Yvonne, in the second segment, you told us about uh, two of the uh, documents that uh, you talk about in your book, the BIA and the BCP, and then you uh, started to reference uh, the next one, the Disaster Recovery Plan. Can you tell us about that one and uh, what that leads into? Yes, the Disaster Recovery Plan is pretty much all about technical recovery. It's it's determined in the business continuity plan whether or not you're going to go into disaster recovery and it depends on the situation and the actual disaster. So if it's determined that it needs to head into disaster recovery, we pull out the disaster recovery plan and we start working on that. My approach to the disaster recovery plan includes a flow chart. And it's like all my documents, I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible. At this phase, it outlines the recovery plan and extends into the disaster recovery script requirements. And what does all this mean? Pretty much is that it has a few steps letting you know a plan where it states the recovery team assessment and then the activation of the disaster recovery plan, the identification of the disaster recovery script, opening an incident report, and opening a change control. 
That is pretty much the, the, the disaster recovery plan. It's all it does is pretty much move you along the way in a controlled manner so you don't forget that you need to have an incident report and you also need to have a change, change control request to make any of the changes that you're going to be working on with the disaster recovery plan and the disaster recovery scripts that I'm going to speak about later. So all it is is pretty much a guide to, to, the, to the disaster recovery plan. Like I said, the disaster recovery plan document includes a blueprint of the disaster recovery script procedure section. So you have these steps. Activate the disaster recovery plan, identify the disaster recovery scripts, open an incident report, open a change control request, and then it also includes a, a flowchart that states how you're going to create the disaster recovery scripts, which are the actual instructions of how you're going to install the equipment, what it takes to actually do the technical part, the actual instructions. So it moves you into the disaster recovery scripts. Once activated, the DRP considers only four actions, and that's what I just said, and then makes a call to execute the disaster recovery scripts. Now, the disaster recovery scripts are the instructions, the, the step-by-step I, I take the, the server out of the box, I connect it. Um, each critical IT resource will have an assigned disaster recovery script. And the script will include the description, the configuration, the recovery procedure, which, is, which comes from the, the disaster recovery plan, that flowchart that states how you're going to create a disaster recovery script, you take it from there and you move it and you create it and it's included inside the recovery script itself. So this recovery script will be a flowchart or it could be instructions that pretty much state how to install the, the IT resource that's damaged and how to bring it back up. And then at step four, you have the resource testing inside the disaster recovery script where you actually test that you installed it correctly, and here we go again into uh, quality, where quality will actually check that everything was installed correctly. And you might ask yourself, how does quality know if it's correct? Because you have to write a plan. This plan that is the disaster recovery script will be checked that it was completed as stated by quality area, and they will give you an approval or not approval in regards to the actual execution of the disaster script. So when we look back, the disaster recovery plan just moves you into the disaster recovery scripts. That, that's all it does. So you brought up a couple of interesting points. When you um, do the, the scripts, first of all, I, I'm assuming the scripts, all that detailed um, technical jargon, I guess the script is geared towards the IT people, correct? Yes it, yes, it is. This is where the IT people have their full hand on. They, they, yeah. they create the disaster recovery scripts. Actually, the approval for this document stays pretty much at a, a level where IT is involved and, and maybe just some quality will pretty much just feel that it was done in, in a quality manner, the, the document itself. Because it's something that IT does, does actually, if it's right. the technical side. Right. And you mentioned um, 
testing to to validate that everything is working. Is that just testing from an IT perspective or do you include the end user or the business side of it to validate that yes, we're seeing what we're supposed to see, you know, at the end. Do you well, do you mean both work together on that one? Both work together on that one. It's validation considers what was called an operational qualification. Operational qualification is where somebody actually executes something and verifies that it's operational. So there is some testing in there, or there should be testing in there that includes not only the installation, but also the operational qualification of the system that was, that was restored. So, yes, there, somebody actually tests the operation. You, you don't want to have another disaster because you, <laughs> you didn't even check if it was operational after you brought it up because you were in such a hurry to get it out. So, so that's why having these documents and having these plans drives you to do the, the correct thing. It drives you to, to work in a, in, a consec- in a consistent manner and, and in, uh, in the way it should be working. And, and something so, that maybe I forgot right. to specify, within the business continuity plan is where you call two documents that are very important. That's the, the incident report, which needs to be there to capture that there was a disaster. And it's where also you need to have information on why the disaster occurred. So in the future, these disasters don't continue to happen. This is where we learn. The, the incident report, I, I call it a learning document because we learn about the problem and, and it helps us down the line. While the change control request is also specified at the disaster recovery plan is where we actually have a plan or state the plan. The plan will always be simple. The plan will be go to the disaster recovery scripts. And if the disaster recovery scripts are well written, you don't have to come up with any new ideas. Like, why, how are we going to install this? How are we going to qualify? It's all already in the disaster recovery script. That's why having these disaster recovery scripts is critical. And have them updated is critical. And have them test them is critical. So when the disaster occurs, all you need that change control is to state this is the disaster recovery script. Quality will check it. Yeah, this is what we approved some time back. Go ahead. Do the, the installation or the, the recovery. Mm-hmm. Well, see, Yvonne, you stole my thunder because I was going to ask you questions about both of those and you, the incident and the change. So you, you well, nailed it there for me. They're very important. <laughs> they're very important documents. That's why I included them in, in, in my book. It, without them, it's, a lot of information gets lost. And there's, without the change control, there's no channel between the disaster recovery plan and the disaster recovery scripts. So right. it, it's very important. Well, I know we'll, assessment between, we assessment oh, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You can finish your thoughts. Sorry. No, as there is also a, a link between the business continuity plan and the disaster recovery plan is where an assessment is done by the recovery team. That's where they decide to move into the disaster recovery plan. So these are two bridges that are very important. The mm-hmm. business recovery team deciding to move to the disaster recovery plan and the change control where it's decided to move into the disaster recovery scripts where you actually do the installation. And all this needs people that need to make decisions and approvals need to happen. So it's always a controlled controlled flow into the final recovery of the system. 
Sounds suspiciously like IT service management. Uh, most probably. <laughs> well, that, that's, that also works similar. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, we only we have uh, less than three minutes uh, left. Do you have any final comments that uh, you'd like to uh, convey? Well, pretty much, uh, I wanted to just thank you for for letting me be on your show here. Um, I love this business continuity stuff. <laughs> I'm also I also love other things. My wife wants me. By her side more often, and I'm stuck with this documentation, but I, I really <laughs> like it. And thank you. Thank you for be, having me on, on, on your program. And try keeping, I always tell people, try keeping things simple. Try keeping these, these recovery ideas as simple as possible, something that you can actually do. Like, you could do all this philosophical stuff and start thinking about it, but it, it's, it really just stays in your head. You, you need a plan. That can be done. That can be documented. That can the other people that are going to prove it can understand it. You can, you cannot send everybody in the company for a business continuity, you know, training. So it needs to be something that sounds logical or is logical, and, and that they can understand it because they're going to be approving it. And it needs to work. It needs to it needs to serve a purpose. So yeah. just keep it simple. Is what I what I say. And my book is all about trying to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah, I agree with you on that. You know, that that's why I said I, I liked your, you know, two pages BCP, you know, or a few pages, I should say. Um, and rather than hearing about these plans that are, you know, a thousand pages, and it's like, no, that's just not keeping it simple. That's not going to work. <laughs> nobody nobody reads those thousand pages. They're, they're put away somewhere, and that's it. Oh, you're correct. You're correct on that. Well, uh, Yvonne, I want to thank you very much and congratulations on your book, IT Business Continuity Documents, and its second edition. So obviously it's hitting a nerve with people. So thank you very much for sharing your time and expertise with us. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you again, Alex. And and, like, and uh, I know before we started recording, you said, you know, you hadn't done very many interviews, so you didn't know how you'd be. Well, you were fine. So next time, don't sweat oh. it. You're, you're fine. <laughs> I, I I didn't sleep for the past month. <laughs> Just thinking about this interview. <laughs> well, you're completely fine. So so thanks again for your time. And everyone uh, out there, if there's something you want us to talk about on the show, please feel free. Send me an email or promote uh, advert or products or service. Send me an email as well. I do respond to everything. And in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.